0: what is up movie friends welcome back to raiders of the lost podcast i'm anthony and i'm james and for today we're going to be doing indiana jones the entire franchise all four movies basically the inspiration of our podcast our namesake name it's about time we get around to doing indie we've been saving it and we you know put some other stuff ahead of it we we're gonna do it for episode 50 but it's t- it's time yeah to-, to go and check out one of our favorite film franchises of all time one of the most successful ever too and man i love indiana jones the indie movies are just like it's very nostalgic and it's like a f- they're, they're the ultimate feel-good movies i think like almost every spielberg is a feel-good movie but like indiana jones is always so enjoyable no matter how many times you see it and i think they are the epitome of the action-adventure uh franchises and it set the bar for what you can do with an action-adventure movie yeah it's, it's kind of like a rite of passage when you're growing up to to spend weekends or nights just watching all the Indiana Jones movies whether remember when we were kids and they were always on TV or we had the DVDs or VHSs, God forbid and it, whether it's planned or not and you just spend so much time watching these movies and enjoying this character of Harrison Ford and how iconic he is and you could argue that Harrison Ford's one of the biggest movie stars of all time if not the biggest I mean I'm talking about not skill and talent but movie star status we're talking about Han Solo and Indiana Jones, Blade Runner, Jack Ryan. He's been the president, plus countless other great films and characters. The guy's resume is absurd, and he's he's only been nominated for one Oscar, which is fine. Again, he's not like a great a highly talented actor. He gets the job done basically in every movie. So Harrison Ford's a very talented actor, but it's not just it's not so much so his skill, which is why he hasn't been nominated or won anything. It's because the movies he chooses aren't really necessarily Oscar draws. He likes to do Big budget action adventure. That's what he does best, and that's what he enjoys to do. I'm sure he has a lot of fun making those movies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that if he wanted to do more Oscar-driven movies, he could have done them in the past, and he probably would have gotten nominated. But I think that based upon the movies he chooses to do uh, for his own personal reasons, which is why he hasn't gotten the awards recognition you might uh, think of him. But otherwise, he is a, a very, very good actor, and he has never d- had a bad performance, and he can do anything he wants. Whatever the director asks of him, he can pull it off. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not a talented guy, but... Y- you you know, just said he's... he's the worst actor of all time. <laughs> 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 no, we got this on, on tape, mofo. But um, Harrison, he had probably the most ridiculous six years an actor can have ever. So in 1979, he was an Apocalypse Now, just a side character in the beginning of the film but he's still in a great great movie Mm -hmm. in 1980 he was in empire strikes back uh the sequel to star wars a new hope in 1981 he was in raiders of the lost Ark*, the first in the indiana jones franchise in 1982 he was blade runner uh deckard in 1983 he was in return of the jedi and in 1984 he was indiana jones temple of doom then in 1985 he was in witness which was a very good movie best picture nomination is what he got an oscar nomination for so massive massive movies plus a really great movie all in a span of 5 6 years making making he's he went from just a relatively unknown guy to the biggest star on the planet that's an unbelievable uh, span of years and uh witness is a really great movie it's very underrated and he's excellent in it and he deserved his nomination and i think that Harrison Ford brings so many intangibles to the character of Indy that no one else could have brought because on paper yes Indy is like charming and he's very cool but uh, the persona that Harrison Ford exudes, like if you've ever seen him in on a talk show interview or on press interviews, he's very funny and very charismatic and also extremely confident and very cool and collected. And he, he has this confidence that he just puts into the Indiana Jones character. I think that Indiana Jones is probably the most like Harrison Ford in person uh, other than being an expert in archaeology and history. I think that the personality traits that Indy has... He shares with Harrison Ford more than any other character. And I think that uh, he brought so much of his own personality into the character. And that's why I think we love him so much because Harrison Ford himself is so lovable. Yeah, they don't make uh, guys like Harrison Ford anymore. He's like an old breed of man. And he brings a lot of masculinity to the role, I think, but in mm-hmm. a different kind, a good kind, not like the the over-testosterone, like, jacked version. The Stallone Arnold Schwarzenegger's of the 80s masculinity that was in your face with explosions and and biceps. But, like, he brings a different kind of confidence, gravitas, charisma masculinity that just, like, in that... Perfect tan in every movie. You can't deny that Harrison Ford is a handsome man. He's a very good-looking guy. Like one of my favorite parts in the first movie is when he's in school um, teaching that class, and that girl blinks her eyes, and it says "love you" on her yeah, eyelids. Says, "I love you." Yeah. And he's like, he does like a double take, and it's like you can understand why the girl would be, why his class um, would be obsessed with him. He's a he's a good-looking man, and he, he like we always say whenever we see Harrison Ford, it's this inside joke between you and me. We go, "That's a man, right That's there." That's a man. <laughs> it sure is a man. It don't make him like that anymore. In Indy it's kind of he's kind of a superhero and you can say that he has two personas and like Indiana Jones is the superhero version of the character. Then Dr. Jones, the professor is like the alter ego. You know, he's got the glasses. He teaches yeah, his the Clark history Cat. class. Yeah. This is like his 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 day to day job. And the character of Indiana Jones is so cool besides the charisma. But what he does, he's an archaeologist. He's a tomb raider. He's kind of like a mercenary for the government at times or museums trying to um, recover artifacts that have been lost for thousands of years. Uh, he's highly intelligent. Um, he always has the perfect lines. Plus, he has he has real weaknesses as a character, which you you don't usually see because I think Spielberg and Lucas. I've I've read where they were trying to make a cooler version of of James Bond for them because they thought they could do it better, and that's yeah. kind of like w- one of the main bases of the character Harrison Ford and in Indiana Jones is loosely based off James Bond. Um, but unlike all these action stars that we're used to. Indy has weaknesses. He's afraid of snakes in a hilarious way, and it's it's a major weakness for him. He's women are another weakness for his, which gets him into trouble in the Last Crusade. But the cool thing about Indy is he doesn't succumb to his fears, and he he doesn't get paralyzed with the fear, and he'll he'll face them. He'll face that pit of snakes in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and and use his wit and his uh his, his intelligence to escape those dangerous situations that he's suppressed with so much fear. Exactly. And uh, George Lucas is actually the creator of this character and the stories and. He pitched the idea to Spielberg while they were actually on vacation together, and um, they both had just finished a couple of films, and um, Lucas was like, I'm, I'm working on this character. What do you think? And Spielberg liked it a lot, so then they fleshed out the story together, but Lucas is the actu- is the creator of Indiana Jones, and he pretty much tapped Spielberg to direct the movies. Yeah, but on set, they're both very much... They're yes. kind of like co-directors on set, you yeah. can say. They're they're both side-by-side, side, shoulder-to-shoulder in pretty much every shot. Yeah, they're and like, we're the making scenes. money. Who yeah. cares? They're just ha- I think... These two guys just probably had the most fun ever making these movies. Well, specifically the first and probably the third one because the second one, we'll get into Temple of Doom. They, they had some personal tr- uh, mm-hmm. uh, things that they were dealing with that affected the storytelling of Temple of Dune and darkness in their lives. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can tell they probably had just the most fun. Let's make like the most ap- epic B-movie high-production film we could ever think of. Exactly. And Last Crusade is uh, one of my favorite just movies. I think it's an um- amazing movie. It's so much fun. It's so well done. And it's just, I think what these movies um, are so great at is that they are just great entertainment. They're a good time, no matter how many times you see them. And especially for new viewers, if you watch these movies, they're so much fun. Yeah, the, the greatest adventures ever put into film, and especially Raiders and Last Crusade. And you can see how like movies like National Treasure, The Mummy tomb raider they try to da vinci code yeah da vinci code they try to capture the feeling of like these ancient quests and treasure maps or clue hunting but and they do a good job and some of them, i like national treasure a lot i love the mummy obviously we both love the declaration of independence (laughs) doesn't doesn't seem like it's that hard actually but uh (laughs) nothing compares to indiana jones and they just set the bar so high that will probably never be passed in terms of these movies but these movies like this will never get made ever again but the reason why the bar is so high and they'll never get they will never be um movies never will never compare to them is because Spielberg is one of the greatest directors of all time and the craftsmanship is why these movies are so great cuz Spielberg is such a great director that's hands down the number 1 reason it's because it's their director and these movies they just don't take themselves too seriously mm-hmm. Spielberg like you said earlier he just wants you to have fun. Every scene, he wants you to have a good time. He yeah. wants you to laugh. He wants you to... Every single, like, beat. It's just positivity. Obviously, they're getting into trouble and danger and, and almost death, but, like, it's a freaking blast. It's a roller coaster ride. It's nonstop action. Yeah, these movies are made for the entire family to see. You know what I mean? It's not designed for adults or kids. It's designed for both. And... Uh, like Pixar has really tapped into that ability as well, but I think Indiana Jones is the first example of large movies where the entire family can go and see it and be entertained for their own individual and personal reasons, which is why I think the movies will always stand the test of time. This episode of Raiders of the Lost podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Get 20% off your order in free shipping using coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. Again, Raiders of the Lost at checkout for free shipping. Manscaped has been awesome, guys. They they keep the lights on for the show. We love them so much. Thank you, Kyle, for everything that you send us. He sent us pretty much everything. Their performance package comes with the weed whacker, which is awesome. The luxury lawnmower, which this groomer it has a light. It's waterproof. You can use it in the shower. You can use it in the rain. Whatever. You can throw it off a wall. It'll be fine. I don't know if you can throw it off a wall. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But it's got like eight million RPM per per minute. I'm just kidding. It's like eight thousand RPM total. But um, it's great. It's the best clippers I've ever used in my life. No more hairs are getting pulled. They've sent us their deodorants, their shirts, their boxer briefs, which are wicked comfortable. Um, I'm really obsessed with their their foot deodorant, which I I thought it. At first, it's gonna be weird. It's like you spray your feet after you get out of the shower and before you put your socks on. It's a seal the deal kind of thing because I mean we're dudes and we're we're sitting in those shoes all day. Your significant other will appreciate it. I, I, I swear. So yeah, I mean grooming is a necessary part of life. So get on manscaped.com. Get twenty percent off your order and free shipping using coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout year round. Let's go, fellas and ladies. These are great gifts for your men too. And they all have pretty deep hidden themes inside of them. I mean, obviously the, on the surface they're about indie uh stopping the nazis and half half the time or the soviets <laughs> i and hate those guys Indy just trying to he he enters and finds ways inside these uh monoliths or buildings or temples that no one's entered in thousands of years and he steals or he, he recovers an artifact and then he's just going back and forth good versus evil but there's some other great themes and and a lot of the time for indy the journey throughout the films and his adventures are the actual treasure and for example, in The Last Crusade, he doesn't care at all about the Holy Grail. He's, he's, he cares about his father. His father is his main goal in that film, whereas his father only cares about the Holy Grail. So there are a lot of uh, actually positive, positive themes in these films. Yeah, and I think um, obviously one of the major aspects to the films which define them are John Williams' score. And we've talked about John Williams multiple times in this a few movie. times, yeah, yeah, a couple of times. He's, he's come be, up. He's made a couple of good tracks, and uh, I mean, I mean, the, you could argue this could be his most iconic theme. Dun, 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 dun. We could, we've we said that like seven yeah, times. so about many John times. That's Harry maybe, Potter, Star yeah. Wars, Indiana Jones. Yeah. But, I mean, but we saw him live at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was just yeah. amazing to hear the Indiana Jones theme. They they actually um, capped off the show with that as an encore, and it's just it's such great music, and it's it. I think that. Uh, like they like all of his move, all of his music is, it perfectly captures the tone and theme of the movie and the character, and I think that the movies would not be the same without that iconic theme. And I think one of the final things that makes these movies so appealing and so fun is the mystery of these ancient worlds, which are, are so fascinating. And you, you learn about them in history class when you're a kid and social studies. And, you know, you you study ancient Egypt and study ancient Rome and these temples and the Mayans. And then to actually see it put done out on film and like in such a high production value way. And, they're so fun and they're epic and like you've you played video games or read books like this and then just to watch Harrison Ford go through these adventures and take you inside these temples and everything it's it's so freaking fun and amazing and, and I love every minute of every Indiana Jones movie. Indiana Jones movie. I don't think there's a bad one out of all four. Although you know the last one, you know we'll, we'll get to that at yeah, the end. But yeah. I don't think Temple of Dunes is a bad movie. Even Temple of Dune, even though people Doom. do do I, I keep saying Dune, Dune yeah. I don't think Temple of Doom is a bad movie. People, people trash on that movie and they tell you to skip it. It's like, why? The movie's great. It's just different. Don't and, skip it. Yeah. And the expectations were so high, but they're all so fun. First up, we have Raiders of the Lost Ark. Released June 12th, 1981. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Written by Lawrence Kasdan. Story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. This film stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, John Rice davies and Ronald Lacey. Raiders of the Lost Ark grossed $389 million on a budget of $18 million. That's a great profit. That's a lot for that year, too. Yeah. Renowned archaeologist and expert in the occult Dr. Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant, which is believed to still hold the Ten Commandments. Unfortunately, agents of Hitler are also after the Ark. Indy and his ex-flame Marion escape from various close scrapes in a quest that takes them from Nepal to Cairo. This honestly might be the most entertaining movie ever made. No one will make a film like this again. It's an epic accomplishment in filmmaking. I love how it takes place in 1936. We're huge fans of period pieces and Raiders. It's just a, a thrilling adventure of imagination, action, intrigue. Every part of production is phenomenal. The The wardrobe, the sets, the set design... The The script, the, the guy, Lawrence, he actually wrote Empire Strikes Back. He's a Star Wars script. Yeah, he too, actually so. he wrote a lot of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, so I think he might actually wrote all of them. Yeah. Um, it's just a a classic adventure film that's always been near and dear to my heart. It's Spielberg at his best in his prime when he was young. Not that he's not great now, but um, it's a true experience of escapism, too. And I've watched this movie 50 times. I, I'll put it on any day and just watch the whole freaking thing, no problem. No, absolutely no problem. Exactly, and... Uh, This became a legendary film, and I think the reason for it, like I mentioned earlier, is because Spielberg, being one of the best directors of all time, uh, he brought his renown as a filmmaker into a a movie that is uh, friendly for all ages, and it can reach any kind of audience, which is very rare to do. And he used very great classical filmmaking. For example, the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark I love because... There's no dialogue for the there's no there's very minimal dialogue for the first 15 minutes of the film, and it's a great sequence where Spielberg is hiding the lead character from us for several scenes, and we're just seeing the back of him or just an image of him, and and then we finally get that amazing reveal where uh, one of the men he's with pulls a gun on him, and Indy turns around and whips it away from him, and that's the reveal of Indiana Jones and uh, things like that that's just great filmmaking and great writing where you're establishing the character by showing us who he is what he does what he's capable of and um, how and what drives him and they do all of those things without any dialogue from him and that's an a, te- a testament to um, Spielberg and Lucas's talents as storytellers yeah we could probably do like an hour just on this opening scene because yeah. it's so awesome it's amazing and there, I love the opening of how they slowly reveal him with the silhouettes and then the whip yeah. and then you see him They, I think Guy Ritchie tried to do the same thing with Sherlock Holmes in the first one where Sherlock's kind of just running around downtown yeah, yeah. London yeah. and then you don't see him until he does that like somersault so I think it's been done before people have tried to pull off the hide your, your protagonist until the perfect reveal which is a very effective if you do it right um but this this opening scene it's you could argue that the dark knight is the next best one. Yeah probably yeah you with right. the joker. Yeah um but this opening scene it's it's so epic and it's full of booby traps we have the golden idol um there's this switching the sandbag for the golden idol the yeah. double cross jumping across that pit than getting chased by that giant boulder, only to held, be held by spears at the neck. Like <laughs> Indy goes through so much in this first opening scene, and it's it's, it's just so much fun to watch. What's so great about it is because it's its own little mini movie. Yeah. So this is essentially uh, what's it's called a day in the life. When you're writing a story or a script. Uh, you open the first act of the film. There's going to be a sequence where, um, generally, you'll see what it's what's called a day in the life of the lead character, where you see their their day to day activities to get an understanding and uh, of who they are, what their world is, and what their role in that story is. And for this, a day in the life of Indiana Jones is adventure and action and and high stakes and near death experiences. and And so, I thought it was so brilliant where you have like your own little mini Indiana Jones movie in the opening sequence of the movie, and it was just a brilliant way to start this film. Yeah, and the plot of the movie, it's relatively simple. The plot of all these movies is relatively simple. I mean, you could probably say the fourth one's the most complicated, but uh, it's a constant back and forth, basically, between Indy and the Nazis until the final climax, and ultimately the Nazis are trying to find, um, trying to discover the Ark as a means to gain power uh, to win the war. Yeah, so the plot of the film is the government hires Indy, to beat the Nazis to the actual location of the Ark of the Covenant, and the Nazis, Spielberg has familiarity with throughout his filmography. Obviously, he has this like um, tongue-in-cheek relationship with them in his Spielberg in his um, Indiana Jones movies, where it's more comical and cartoonish the way they interact and and how we, how they're the enemy. But then he also dabbles with them in Schindler's List. You see a very serious side of the no- Nazi occupation of Poland and the Auschwitz camps, and with uh, Schindler in that true story, and so. Obviously, it's something that's very personal to him, and it's uh, a time in history that he wants to tell stories about. But also, if you're going to make an entire country a villain or an entire uh, military uh, faction a villain, the Nazis are are pretty much the only ones you can use because uh, they are evil. They were evil. So it's okay to make them a villain without um, causing any social harm. Like if if it was like a Chinese army was the villain then it would be it would offend chinese um, citizens so i think the, the nazis are the safest bet when you're gonna pick a villain for a movie And the soviets of the later on yeah, because, because the soviets, soviet union yeah. doesn't exist anymore so those and they two were con- just as evil yeah those two countries work perfectly as villains this episode of raiders of the lost podcast is sponsored by movieposters.com use our special coupon code raiders15 to get 15 percent off your order today MoviePosters.com is the number one site to get your movie posters online today. Check out MoviePosters.com and use our coupon code RAIDERS15 to get 15% off. Again, RAIDERS15 to get 15% off your order at MoviePosters.com. In the heat of the moment, you keep it calm and cool with a $3 medium ice cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top, that's keeping it calm, cool, and cold-brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, now $3 along with all medium cold brews, America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. But what makes these movies, I think, classic is the ability to communicate these... Serious themes to people to relate to, like, like again, good versus evil, um, but also, especially in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade, and even the last one, a search for meaning of life and death, and there's a lot of spirituality and also d- dark magic a little bit, but a lot of biblical themes in, in Jewish Bibles and in Christian Catholic Bibles and Ark of the Covenant, obviously, and the Holy Grail. Um, and then Spielberg blended those themes with themes of classical film, like... Uh, romance and drama and international travel so it has like those romantic qualities of films from the 50s and 60s um but it is combined with those themes you just mentioned in a really great way and i think uh, probably one of the most memorable aspects to all indiana jones movies and it's really great in this film are, are the, is the stunt work and stunt work wasn't really a big thing until the indiana jones movies uh Obviously, there was plenty of stunts in the couple of Star Wars movies before it, but I mean, this film became synonymous with great stunt work and great action, and I mean, we've seen plenty of shows at like Disney World, Disneyland, and, uh, and the, other, live, shows, the yeah. live shows, where there is an Indiana Jones show, and it's this amazing action set piece for like 30 minutes in front of you, and so uh, when you go to see an Indiana Jones movie, or you watch it at home, you expect great spectacle and great stunt work, and the stunts in this movie are amazing, and obviously. I think the most iconic stunt in all of the Indiana Jones movies, the boulder um, chasing uh, Harrison Ford down the tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, tons of locations in different countries. I mean, we're in South America. We're in Tibet, Nepal, uh, Egypt. um, We're on an isolated island. We're in a tomb. We're in an American archaeology classroom. So they take you to so many different parts of the world to experience different cultures in the films too, which adds so much to the production value and the experience. And the threats are massive because... The the threat in the in this movie the climax it's the wrath of God it's, yeah. it's the power of God on Earth and it's so fascinating to see how how it's used and obviously the 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 effects practical mixed with special effects at the time are they still hold up the uh, the face melting effect is just a stop motion effect um, where they actually melted they built this uh, person out of wax a wax figure and they just melted him over time and it looks it's still disturbing to this day it, no matter how many times I see it it still like messes me up and it makes your stomach turn and and that, that's a great climax, and you're right, it is the ultimate power in that in that scene. And it shows uh, the corruptive power, the corruption that power can have on men and women, and also the intelligence of Indy to know because of his history uh, and his studies and research to understand that um, no human eye should lay eyes on this power. And so that's why he and Marion close their eyes and are able to survive because he's wise based upon he's wise because of who he is and the interesting thing about the climax is it occurs no matter what without the interference of the hero it's going to happen yeah and it happens and all they do is they're tied up and they close their eyes but the, the climax happens without the hero which you don't really see in action films or adventure yeah, films it's a good point it's not like the hero won and defeated the evil you're right that's, that's they that's defeated themselves yeah of their arrogance and hubris the irony and obviously uh, indiana jones has that iconic look uh and He's got that whip. He has that famous hat, the leather jacket. You should have yeah. wore your fedora. Fider- I know for I should have I should have worn my hat for this and uh, I mean, it's so many aspects of the character are, are are famous and I think his his wardrobe is it's one of the most famous costumes I think in all of cinema. Probably. And also Indy, in all three films, that all four films they have a similar structure, specifically 1, 3 and 4 because yeah, 2, two I'd say is different. 2 is a deviation yeah. big time. Um but they all follow the same structure of Of this classic hero's journey where um, we have this obviously evil antagonist, but the hero um, is presented with a quest, must do battle, they grow, they learn, undergo some kind of enlightenment or or newfound wisdom, uh, which helps them defeat the evil, and sometimes they get the girl, sometimes they don't. And, but obviously, this was clearly a plot for male actors and characters for decades. Yeah. But <laughs> a lot changed now, but again, we're operating in the 1970s here. Yeah. And Harrison Ford, uh, we've mentioned earlier, he's he could be the most successful actor of all time. And the reason for that is because uh, he has been getting uh, gross net profits from both the Indiana Jones franchise and the Star Wars franchises. So he gets a cut of all the gross. I think for him, it's something like 10%. Of all profits of these movies. So uh, from these movies and the Star Wars movies, Harrison Ford has made tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. That's insane. It's nuts. And I love how Spielberg, with the Nazis, he uses like real... Um, factual information, how the Nazis and Hitler were obsessed with also spending resources and time trying to find like these ancient artifacts and trying to find some sort of supernatural power if it existed, if it didn't, trying to find UFOs and 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 whatnot. And so he uses that with the arc, and obviously we'll deal with that with the Last Crusade and the Holy Grail with the Nazis in that film, and. The Ark of the Covenant, which according to theology and history, houses obviously the Ten Commandments originally given to Moses by God. And Hitler plans to use the Ark for world domination, and it's believed the Ark contains the power of God, and the army who possesses it would be invincible. But the reason why Hitler's not in the film or at the end is because—I uh, can't remember his name, the person who's in charge, of the Nazi—he wants to make sure that they have the, the right— Basically, they have their Ark of the Covenant. They want to make sure it's it's there before they sh- they bring it to him because he probably doesn't want to get killed. And as great as Harrison Ford is, he wasn't the first choice from Steven Spielberg. Uh, Tom Selleck, the uh, actor from Magnum PI, uh, with that great mustache, he was the uh, the first choice to play uh, Indiana Jones, and he even did screen tests um, with Spielberg and Lucas. And uh, unfortunately, because of casting ske- uh, casting difficulties with his TV show, he wasn't able to do the project. And so Harrison Ford was cast. He also turned down Han Solo; or couldn't do it. But it's crazy. That shows you how big those TV shows were, they were back big, yeah. then. Like he was one of the biggest stars in the planet. He's and, very wealthy. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, it's it's too bad for him that he didn't do the role. It obviously would wouldn't have been the same, I'm sure. But he still would have done a good job. I mean, Tom was a great actor, and the guy was the guy was a manly man back then too. He was also a specimen. So <laughs> I'm sure it would have been a good movie. And we have a lot of great side characters. But Marion's like the perfect female counterpart to Indy. Um, obviously they have a a. A past where i think he deflowered her right or he he, yeah, took he her deflowered reject- her and, then, and, and he, she fell in love with him and he left and, and he skipped town and that's yeah. why she holds that against him and he, she took it so personally that she moved to pet to uh tibet to tibet to open up a a, a bar and just <laughs> drinks herself to to sleep every night against all these bar patrons and marion even though she does eventually become a damsel in distress she does have a lot of great qualities in terms of uh the portrayal of a woman in in, in cinema and in hollywood and because she's very rugged, she's very tomboyish, and like, she could, she drinks that other guy under the table even though he's like twice her size, and she's very uh, capable in a fight, and, and she's just uh, is, is tough, you know? And she doesn't take shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, she throws a lot of punches in this movie too. Yeah, so I think they did a, gr- a great job for the time um, for portraying a strong female lead character in a movie. And then we have Sulla, who's uh, Indy's friend in Cairo, who helps them out, and they go find that dig site, and they find the uh, the room to get the location of the ark and he's such a great side character and he, he crops up later on in the last crusade too and uh, people may not know this the, the actor who plays sala is also Gimli in the Lord of the Rings franchise yeah. which you wouldn't believe but it's the same actor yeah it's great he's a fantastic actor and one of my favorite scenes takes place in Cairo which is that scene where um, Indy is uh, fighting off the the bad guys and then he runs into that huge bad guy with that big sword and they're surrounded by the crowd and and um, Indiana Indy is just watching this guy like play around with his sword, like very like intimidatingly, and and then um rather than just fighting him, Indy just like shrugs and pulls out his gun and shoots him dead. What happened was that scene was supposed to be a long fight, and Indiana Jones was supposed to get another weapon, and they were supposed to have like a really epic fight scene. But what happened was they were shooting that scene, and they were running out of time, and they're running out of daylight, and the co- the production's so costly. they were like, what are we gonna do? We don't know what to do. We didn't plan this out. Uh, we don't have time to film this, and so. Um, the, one of the producers just came up with the idea uh, to just be like why isn't he just Paul is gonna shoot him <laughs> it's so, so perfect yeah so they filmed it and it became one of the funniest beats of the movie it's really ironic and it actually fits Indy's character so well too because at times he's not afraid to get dirty yeah and, and he's like, a brawler we'll see that later on with his with his father kind of like shakes his head at Indy and some of the things he does in the last crusade because he gets a little dirty and He in he, he's not afraid to do that which again makes him different from all these masculine perfect action stars of the 80s yeah and obviously the ending of the movie where they put the arc in the warehouse sets it up for our other future films is, I love this warehouse because what else is in there? Like what, <laughs> all, what other stuff that we're not supposed to see or like that people only select few people in the government know are in that warehouse. They blend and they made that shot with the combination of uh, practical photography with the matte painting. Yeah. So the endless, when it, it as the camera pans up and, it, and the room becomes pretty much endless, that's the matte painting. And it's a really great blend of uh, special effects from the 80s. The boulder. In the beginning of Indiana Jones, nearly crushing him as he escaped the temple with the idol was always part of the script, but it was originally supposed to be a minor detail. When the production designer came to set with a gigantic 22-foot-in-diameter boulder, Spielberg fell in love with it that he decided to extend the rolling boulder another 50 feet to make it a major part of the end of the scene. So it was supposed to be just like a, a smaller boulder, but it was so unexpectedly big they loved it. Steven Spielberg and Melissa Matheson wrote a script during shooting breaks on the location of Raiders of a Lost Ark. Matheson was there to visit her husband, Harrison Ford, and Spielberg dictated to her a story he had. The script was eventually called E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Despite having the dream team of George Lucas and Spielberg behind the film of Indiana Jones, the film was turned down by nearly every single studio in Hollywood. Only after much persuasion did Paramount Pictures agree to make the film. Most of the body blow and punch sounds were created by hitting a pile of leather jackets with a baseball bat. I love Foley Facts. It's an underrated art form in filmmaking. Raiders of the Lost Ark is the only Indiana Jones film to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. If you like our podcast, the best thing you can do to support us is share us with your friends and family. Get your movie buddies in on this. Let them know there's a great movie show and TV show. We do TV shows now for them to check out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Hit those notification bells. And become a patron on patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, where members get awesome perks like personalized messages, personalized videos, and top-tier patrons get monthly shout-outs on the podcast, which we did last episode. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, released on May 23rd, 1984, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Willard Huck, Gloria Katz, and George Lucas. This film stars Harrison Ford, Kate Capshaw, Ki Hui Kwan, and Amrish Puri. On a budget of twenty-eight million dollars, this film had a worldwide box office of three hundred thirty-three million. <clears throat> in nineteen thirty-five, Indiana Jones arrives in India, still part of the British Empire, and is asked and is asked to find a mystical stone. He then stumbles upon a secret cult committing enslavement and human sacrifices in the catacombs of an ancient place. As we mentioned earlier, I think that um, I think that Temple of Doom is the most different in uh a unique indiana jones out of all four films i think it is the one that strays away from the 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 standard uh format of the of the stories um in both di- in both positive ways and negative ways but i think that after this they realized what 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 an, Indi- what an indiana jo- jones movie should be and what they what people want to see in an indiana jones movie because they did uh change things up with this film and i don't think audiences responded quite as much as quite as well as they wanted him to yeah i think it gets unnecessary hate and people tell you to skip this movie which is kind of ridiculous i mean look what you're comparing it to the raiders of the lost ark first of all but this is borderline a great horror film it's very bizarre it's probably the funniest out of all the movies i mean besides i mean last crusade is very funny too it's action-packed this movie is non-stop like in your face constant action yeah very very minimal parts of, of slow beats and um they turn up the notch in a way you wouldn't expect with a lot more graphic scenes and actions. It's it's dark, it's original, it's bold. Um, I think Lucas and Spielberg show no mercy for the characters in this movie. Yeah. It's insane what, what some people go through in, in their suffering in this film. So ironically, this movie still got a PG rating when it was released. Insane. And so this is actually a movie that's famous for uh, the MPAA coming up with new rules for how they rated a film because uh, a lot of families who went to see this film in obviously their kids were emotionally destroyed the damage from this film cuz there's extreme gore and graphic violence in this movie i mean people are are thrown into lava pits and you actually see it and someone gets their heart ripped out and and there's there's great there's intense graphic scenes so obviously it's a a, a disturbing movie for kids to see um, and then after this movie it made the mpa change yeah and i think when you watch documentaries about this movie and like some behind the scenes interviews Lucas and Spielberg were both going through very hard breakups. I think one of them was married and was going through a very intense divorce, and the other one was going through a very intense breakup. And I think the the mood of of what they were feeling, the both of them, they kind of just put it that energy and that emotion into the film, and just where like, no holds bar. let's make this dark, and let's, like, it's a little too dark, but who gives a F, like, we're getting divorced, life is crappy right now, let's just make a crazy movie. But ultimately, uh, it ended up uh, working out for Spielberg romantically because he ended up marrying Kate Capshaw, who plays Willie in this film. Oh, no way. Yeah, so they met on this movie, and they got, they've been married for, like, 30 years now. So I think that the reason why this is a, a, a less loved Indiana Jones is because like I said earlier, they, they changed what the story would be, whereas uh, I think a perfect indie film has international travel and a, a lot of mystery and uh, humor and, and fun and entertainment along with great action and set pieces. And uh, But ultimately, I think Indy is an explorer, and so I think that uh, Indiana Jones movies, rec- they should be requiring him to travel to different countries, whereas this film... He travels a little bit in the first act, but eventually he pretty much stays in the same location for a while. And so I think that was one of the weaknesses of this story. And what they learned was like, oh, people like it when he traverses the globe with that international aspect, that James Bond esque quality to the the scale of the filmmaking. Yeah, this film it's a prequel to Raiders of Lost Ark. takes place in 1935, and it opens very differently than the other. I actually films. love this opening. Yeah, it's really great. It's a fantastical musical uh, sequence. And then there's this op- great opening scene uh, in China, which pays homage to James Bond the character, because Indy's got the white tuxedo with the the red flower, and he escapes this crime boss in China who poisons Indy, and Indy gets the antidote. Indy actually gets poisoned technically twice in this movie, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a fun scene where he's trying to get the antidote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's a really fun uh, opening opening scene of the film, and we get a new sidekick with Short Round well, it was actually his first sidekick, Short Round, and then and we have an, and we have a new female character, Willie who her character gets a lot of flack for this role, and people say that all she does in this movie is kind of scream her head off and is hysterical, but I, people blame her, Kate, for this. It's not Kate's fault. The character. She's an actress, and this is what Spielberg and Lucas and the writers wrote. This is how they directed her. So it's not her. It's the character. Um, again, they're. Go- I think they're they're going through the divorce, and they probably took it on the female characters for, for that reason un- unfairly. And I mean, yeah, she's in Indiana Jones movie, but she does seem very hysterical and is screaming a lot in this movie, but it's not her fault. Yeah, 100%. It's the filmmaker's fault. Yeah, I think that Kate Capshaw had a lot of negative uh, reactions from people, and it, and it could be why she didn't really uh, succe- succeed in Hollywood too much. Uh, also, she wanted to raise a family as well. And so the, the this movie has a much smaller scope, and rather than t- trying to stop major forces of evil, like in 1 and 3, he's trying to save... Uh, a small village and stop uh, a cult from acquiring power. So obviously they they still have the, the mystical elements, the magical elements and, um, the, the high stakes, but the scale of the drama and the conflict is much smaller in this movie in terms of, it's pretty much just this cult in the village. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like Thanos and Avengers. The, they're yeah, they're the trying stones. to get, they're trying to get five stones to, to rule the world. Um, and they have three. And so basically they, they steal a stone and all actually all the children from this, uh, Hindu village that, um, Indian Ellie, Indian Willie, in, and um, Short, short Round have this wild escape adventure where they oh, the plane they get on a plane and they they jump from the plane with a raft which they they land on like a a snow mountain. Snowy mountain, and then they they shoot the raft off the mountain. And they land in a river. It's absurd <laughs> it's the ridiculous. stuff that happens in this movie. It kind of sets you up to to really accept things that happen in the fourth film because if you look at the Temple of Doom, they took yeah. a raft off a mountain and landed perfectly in a river, and nobody got hurt. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy what happens in this film, and it's like, it's just them having fun. It's, it's yep. yeah, they're having a good time. Yeah. Um, and Short Round, I think is he's very cute and he's very funny. And also, I'm like, who is this kid? How do they meet? Like I want to know, like, <laughs> how did they, how did he hook up with Indy? Like, what, what's the story there? I, I think it's really funny, and uh, I think he provided a lot of uh, a lot of comedy. But I think ultimately, uh, Indy, uh, it's Indy works better on his own. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that they realize the, the sidekick is cute, and I, I understand they're trying to appeal to kids uh, and younger audiences, so have a major character who is a kid. And they're probably going off the Goonies kind of. Yeah, the Goonies. Too. But I just feel like Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones. He doesn't need anyone else. Um. So I think that. After this film, they realize, okay, it's just indie. And I think one of my favorite parts of this film is the production and set design. The sets in this movie are phenomenal. Most of it was shot on a film stage in England. And I'm talking, like, massive sets. Not only just the the, the underground... Uh, dungeon cult, cult yeah. building with the underground mines and basically it's like a hell on earth kind of what they're going for with the lava and everything. But the palace, the interiors of the palace, they're massive, massive sets. They're huge. And then even his his room inside the palace is huge. And mm-hmm. I, I I love the sets in this film and the production design is phenomenal. Yeah, and the, the dialogue is really... It's actually a very funny movie, especially between Indy and Willie. They have a lot of uh, charming, pretty funny scenes together. And uh, the story, this one is... it. It's the only indie story that uh, happens so quickly. Uh, the other films take place over several days or weeks or so, and this one pretty much takes place over, I think, two days in total. So feels like yeah. it's a quick movie. Like you said, it's pretty nonstop from when they uh, escape that plane and then uh, begin to help the village and enter that cult's area. It's just nonstop action. But like you said earlier, there's not a lot of exploring in this movie, and like yeah. there's not much clue hunting or not investigating, yeah. um, discovering... Outside of of him and Willie, when they're inside of his bedroom and and they're obviously having their back and forth, the the sexual tension, bickering. But then uh, they find the the opening, and he pushes that statue. It's actually pretty funny when he he holds yeah, the, the statue's <laughs> breast and he pushes the statue in. And then they find that underground cult with the sacrifice and everything. Aside from that, he doesn't do much investigating. And obviously they have the he has a little sheet that he, he matches like, oh, this looks like this. Let's go down there. Yeah. But again, that's what I love so much about Raiders in the Last Crusade is we're on this adventure finding clues and exploring. Exploring and, and figuring things out with Indy. Yeah, so I think with Temple, they they for, they for went without the detection investigation and the mystery and intrigue, which is one of the most appealing aspects of Indiana Jones movies. And so I think they realized uh, when the, when this film came out, they were like, oh, we need to, for future ones, we got to have the mystery, we got to have the clue hunting, and we got to have the exploring. And I mean, I love Indiana Jones movies because he's exploring thousand-year-old temples and tunnels and areas that have never been seen in by eyes by human eyes for centuries and that's one of the best parts of the character yeah. he enters tombs and i think it to have that to not have that aspect of the character in this film really is it was one of the weakest parts of it. But some other great set pieces include those um like the railway mines. That's yeah, those are those are cards. incredible scenes yeah. and like very ambitious and bold filmmaking. No CGI. That. Yeah, that's all practical stuff. And then also the the iconic ending on the on the rope bridge where it's like Indy with like the one sleeves ripped that's off. That's the most famous shirt, yeah. Yeah. And then uh most famous photo. Yeah, and Indy has the balls to just like put them all at danger just cut the rope to to make the other guys fall down to the alligators in the bottom he, or crocodiles. I mean he also got shredded and very tanned for this. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> he also suffered a really bad back injury so in the mines and during the final act of the film in those final fight scenes he had a serious i don't think he broke his back but he had a, a slipped disc or something he oh, had damn. he had to have immediate surgery because because harrison ford does almost all of his stunts in all these movies even in the old in the new ones he does a lot of his own stunt work and so a lot of those scenes of the fights of indian the mines at the final climax are uh, a stunt actor a fill-in and obviously they don't get shots of his face, but then once Indy healed up, they went back to the sets and and got just pickup shots and close-ups to fit in to make it seem like it's Indy the whole time. Oh, very cool, interesting. But I, I do like the the horror aspect of this one because I love horror and I love gore, and so it, it was fun to see this in a, in an in Indiana Jones movie. And the first one, you first time you see like the man get get lowered into the, the lava is Insane. like you're like, are they gonna really show this? <laughs> or someone they're gonna pull him up like last second, right? <laughs> but no, they really show it. It's messed up. Yeah, and then he tears, he pulls the heart out of yeah. the other guy, and the, the body just like seals up. It's yeah. wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild what happens in this movie. Yeah, so they really were trying something new, which I appreciate. Um, but I think that they understood, like, people like certain aspects about Indie, and they were missing from this one. I think they were trying to do something different, like, with Empire Strikes Back compared to A New Hope. They just wanted to take it in a different direction. Also, mm-hmm. I think their personal life affected the the direction they took in terms of making the movie. Yeah, 100%. I can, I can see that. For the bug chamber sequence, which is a disgusting scene, Kate Capshaw was really covered with over 2,000 insects. She took sedatives prior to the scene to get over her initial fear and claimed they definitely worked. Because of the graphic nature of Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, which originally received a PG rating, even though it is extremely gory, graphic, and disturbing, uh, it led to the creation of the PG-13 rating from the MPAA, due to the controversial nature of the dark tones of the film still receiving the PG rating. Next up, we have Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, released May 24th, 1989, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Jeffrey Baum, story by George Lucas and Menno Maijas. The film stars Harrison Ford, Sean Connery, Denholm Elliott, Allison Duty, Julian Glover, and John Rice davies this film grossed $474 million on a budget of $48 million. In 1938, after his father, Professor Henry Jones Sr. goes missing while pursuing the Holy Grail, Professor Henry Indiana Jones Jr. finds himself up against Adolf Hitler's Nazis again to stop them from obtaining its powers. This may be the most well-made in the franchise. Harrison's really at the top of his game. Spielberg's directing is top-notch. Not to mention, you get the legendary Sean Connery in the film, too, in the incredibly talented River Phoenix playing a young Indiana Jones. And the opening of this film, is it's such a sight to behold. Young River Phoenix was such a talented person. If, if he hadn't passed away, he'd probably be the biggest movie star on the planet easily. Yeah, definitely. And I love this intro because we get a dive into Indy's past, which we never really learned too much about. We learned that at a young age, he was full of adventure and curiosity. He believed in archaeology and ultimate appreciation by all people, not just collectors and museums. But we also got a very fun uh, look at the origins of many aspects to the character that we love. Like, we learn why he's afraid of snakes, because he falls into that cart on the train full of snakes, and that created his phobia. We also learn how he began using a whip, because he, he entered that lion's den and there was a whip on the wall and he started using the whip to keep the lions away from him and they also show how he got the scar because Harrison Ford's scar on his chin that's true yeah and um they also showed how he got his iconic hat when um the leader of that gang gives it to him out of respect for uh, how elusive he was uh, and I love the opening scene of this movie it's so much fun and I think River Phoenix was perfect as Indiana Jones it really felt like uh he, he was re- uh, Harrison Ford he did like his own like kind of Harrison Ford-esque impression. He spoke in the same way and inflection that Harrison Ford does. Yeah, he did a a great job. It's kind of like what uh, What's-His-Name tried to do for Solo. He did a pretty good job, but Mm -hmm. River Phoenix was such a talented kid. And then not to mention we learn about Indy's father and how he's junior and that his name, Indy's name is actually Henry, Henry Jr. Um, And his father also was devoted to history and intellect, which he passes on to his son. Um, and we see that when he walks through the door trying to get his father's attention, and his father makes him recite the, the Greek alphabet, I think, is what he's, he's making A couple to. of language. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, um, and it's a great opening sequence because Indy's on a Boy Scout trip on horseback, and then he steals this golden cross that these grave robbers steal out of a gr- an old grave, and he tries to steal it to bring it to a museum where it belongs. And it kind of shows the, the ultimate power dynamic and emotional pull of this film, which is— uh, Indy has just always been trying to seek the approval of his father and uh, this is an example of how uh, he's he's just vying for his father's attention whereas his father is mostly uh, ignores him and then uh, when he does have his attention he's trying to instill discipline in the boy. Yeah, the motivation of Indiana Jones in this movie is not the Holy Grail it's his father. His father is motivated by the Holy Grail and has been for, for years and that's really all he's cared about and, and Indy's kind of taken a second place in his life to the Holy Grail and Indy, even though he wants to get the golden idol in the first one, and he wants to save the the children and everything in the second one, he doesn't care about the Holy Grail. The only time he, he wants the Holy Grail is to save his father at the end of the movie. Exactly. And, and that's why this movie is so good. It's, it's never his goal, the Grail. It's just trying to be closer with his dad. And trying to save his dad when he's in danger. And uh, Sean Connery was the perfect actor to play Henry Jones Sr. I mean... The, the relationship and the chemistry between these two actors was so great and dynamic and palpable and and so much fun and and, and entertaining and uh, they they really felt like father and son like i love the scene when when uh, indy uh breaks into h- the room that he's locked into and then and henry senior knocks him in the head with the vase and and kind of dazes him <laughs> and then uh when when henry senior sees it him he's like oh it's okay and, and then uh indy just goes yes sir yes sir and he realizes there's a very ancient vase he's more yeah. concerned about the yeah he's worried vase. about the vase and then he sees that uh when he looks inside he sees that it was a fake so he's like oh thank goodness and then Andy <laughs> thinks that he's he's happy that indy's okay and not hurt but really he's glad the, the vase was a fake and a- another great example is when they're racing down the beach and there's the enemy plane and with shooting guns at them and then and then uh Senior, he shoos those birds away, and he looks like an old man with like the umbrella. Yeah. And, and he's like, "Oh, what are you doing now, Dad?" But then the birds go up and and, and they uh, get inside the engine of the plane, and, they, and it takes the engine down. It's like it's a very smart thing to do. But yeah. you see the they both just have those eye rolling situations, and they're constantly bickering because they kind of don't really have much of a father son relationship in this movie. It's more of like 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 partners in a way mm-hmm. of archaeology and history because his father was never really much of a dad to him. And that's really all Indy wanted from him. Yeah, that's true. And I got to say my favorite moment of Henry Jones Sr. is um, after they both get captured by the Nazis because uh, Indy gives up the the diary and um, to save Elsa's life thinking that she is still a good guy even though uh, Sr. keeps saying that she's a Nazi. And then um, after they both get tied up, uh, Indy goes, how'd you know? And he goes, she talks in her sleep. Talks in her sleep. And then then, he just looks at him, and Sean Connery gives him this look like he's like... (laughs) And and then she kisses Indy Jr., which is great. It's so funny. I love it. But their dialogue was actually written by celebrated playwright Tom Stoppard. He contributed a bulk of the Jones uh, back-and-forth material in their dialogue together, even though he didn't receive a writing credit. So I think that's why their dialogue with each other is so good. And so it's very relatable, too. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so... Like you said, in this film, Indy is not driven by treasure or adventure. He's driven by the need to save his father because his father has gone missing after he mysteriously sent Indy his beloved grail diary. And so uh, I think the reason why I love this movie so much is because the stakes are so emotional and so resonant and so personal as opposed to just thrill-seeking and adventure. And so I think that's why this film has a much more uh, uh, dramatic impact on the audience. Yeah, so senior uh, Professor Henry Jones is the world's most renowned expert on the Holy Grail. That's why he gets kidnapped by the Nazis. The Nazis. Nazis to... Uh, help them find the holy grail because again same thing with raiders of the lost ark they this movie it hits all the same beats of raiders which is great it's the hit i don't it's mind what you all. want i don't care yeah you know this is what i want i like temple of doom a lot and i like the fourth one in uh, yes and no but the third one really hits those those marks of the original minus the opening scene which is very original compared to all all four of the movies it's the only one like that but um we get more biblical connections in this film with the holy grail and the holy grail is believed to be the cup of Jesus Christ during the Last Supper. It was also used to catch Christ's uh, blood at his cruc- crucifixion after the spear of Lingunus pierced his side. And also, uh, the cup, when you drink from it, supposedly uh, grants you immortality. Indy wants the cup, but it's to save his father eventually because that in the third act of the film, Henry Jones Sr. is uh, fatally wounded by a gunshot, which is... Used by Volgo to motivate Henry to enter the temple, and the reason why this is probably the reason why I love this movie so much is because uh, it's such an epic setup. The ending of this movie, where Indy has to enter this booby trap filled den where several people have died right before him, and it seems like an impossible task, but because of his father's research and the information in the diary, uh, Indy knows. The steps required to pass these booby traps, but he doesn't know exactly how to do them. He just knows the words, and so he has to, in the moment, try and figure out what does this uh, phrase mean physically in the real world, and what should what act do I have to do to to pack to pass this nest to pass this next booby trap? Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I saw the inv- invisible bridge scene. I thought that was the coolest thing I ever seen as a kid. It's it's badass. That's probably epic. the most uh, probably the most intense one because it's like that's the ultimate leap of faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the, the trust in 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 faith and in having faith is what gave him the ability to step out onto that empty, apparently empty ledge. And I think also because Indy has had so much, I guess you could say teenage angst or, or young adult angst against the Holy Grail because it's taken a, a front seat in his father's life compared to him. It's always on his father's mind. I think that's why he succeeds in finding the Grail and, and passing all the tests, obviously because he's very smart and he's Indy, but also because it's not for him. It's to save his father. Yeah, and ultimately, you would say that he also he has the skills that um, Henry Senior doesn't have that allow him to to make the task possible. Because Henry Senior and in Indiana have the same passions, uh, same educations and backgrounds, but they go about their their lives very differently. Whereas uh, Henry Senior is a a researcher and, and just mainly a scholar, and uh, he, he's a a reader. Whereas Indy is an explorer, and he's a brawler, and he's an adventurer, on top of all those other things. And so uh, I think those qualities are what allows Indy to get himself into situations that uh, extend further in the adventure because uh, Henry Sr. sets the groundwork for finding the grail, but it's Indy's uh, knack for adventure and and exploration which make it possible to find it. I also think that Indy hates losing because after he he and when he's a kid in the opening scene, after he loses to the grave robbers and they're in dead when they're in with the police and they make him give the cross back. The guy the the head grave robber he gives Indy his hat. This is where he gets his fedora from. And he also says, "You lost today, kid, but it doesn't mean you have to like it." And I think Indy's obsessed with winning against all these nefarious foes. The same thing happens in the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he loses in the opening when Belloc steals the idol from him. So yeah, that's right. I think he's. He's like Tom Brady of of cave exploration. He hates losing. He's the goat, man. Yeah. And in and of, of course maybe no one on earth besides Indiana Jones could have picked out the cup of a carpenter. He could have figured that out. Obviously maybe someone could have, but because he's Indy, he's smart enough to understand that it's not the most it's not this glorious golden chalice. It's it's, he's Jesus was a carpenter. He's poor. It's probably the the ugliest cup out of them all. Yeah, the most modest of all the cups, and that's what uh, Elsa and Vogel didn't understand. Where they saw the most extravagant and beautiful cup, and assumed that it was the cup of Christ, but obviously they were wrong because Christ wasn't. Jesus Christ isn't like that. They don't understand history. Yeah, they don't understand the history of of that person. And Indiana Jones knows that, and that's why. Uh, For for him, I think it was a pretty easy decision Because he he looked around and he saw The most mundane, simple-looking Chalice he could find And and obviously he was right Uh, You've chosen wisely (laughs) i love the old crusader who's probably been there 700 years my god like 700 years just like sitting around like doing what jerk it off (laughs) (laughs) oh my god takes the chain link off he's like all right no he leaves the chain link on man 12 time today (laughs) i mean what do you do in a room for 700 years (laughs) that's called dedication bro my god i mean i know you got purpose in life but shit (laughs) (laughs) nothing to read he's just in there with a bunch of chalices but they did a good job with his design because he hasn't seen the sunlight so he's just pale as a ghost yeah no vitamin d yeah and then also should have scurvy too yeah and then this scene this movie also has just like the the first film at the end a great uh horrific uh practical effect done on the main villain vogel where uh he ages like hundreds of years instantly and you see the hair grow out of his skull and his 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 skin shrivels and he he loses all the meat on his tissue and it's just so disturbing and it, it's terrifying but also like that's what he deserved and yeah it's a great effect and this movie has so many great action set pieces i mean it might have the best chase in one of the best chases in the history of cinema and definitely in the franchise with that involves horses involves tanks and it's it's so epic what happens yeah. in this movie when they when they have the they stop the tank at the cli- edge of the cliff it's just constant, like Indiana Jones, constant action. You're going to have fun every scene. You're right. I think that could be one, easily one of the best chases in all of movies. It's so epic, and I love that, that moment where he's stuck on the side of the of the tank and they're driving closer and closer to the edge of the cliff. It's, every movie's trying yeah. to copy that. Yeah, and everyone. also I think this is the first movie that did uh, the, ca- the character seemingly falls off the cliff and everyone... Uh, the other characters oh, still look there. down the ledge and they're like oh no he's dead and then he, he just crawls up from the, the side of the cliff he's like what are you all looking at <laughs> he yeah. doesn't say that <laughs> but that's what he looked and I love the set pieces when they're when he's in Venice with Elsa and uh, they, they break through the floor of the library and yeah. they, they find those, X marks the spot they they find those catacombs which wouldn't make sense because it's Venice but yeah. what it is what it is <laughs> is what it is and then it's just like all the rat scenes and then we learn that Henry seniors are afraid of rats just like Indy's afraid of snakes and so many awesome sets and and I, I love how they just went back to the structure of Raiders of the Lost Ark and just went for it again. And it's it's some people might think it's like oh it's regurgitation. Hey, like you said, give me the hits. Let's go. That's it's exactly right. It's like it's like CSI. It's like they have a format. Indiana Jones movies have a format, and uh, when it's followed and done well, it's it's amazing and it's so much fun. And it's these movies are not they're not being made to win Oscars they're not being made to even though the first was nominated for 9 and 1/5 yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but like that's not their intention their intention is to entertain you that's it and i think they pull it off every time with these films because they're always entertaining especially when they're firing on all cylinders like this and these this is why uh last crusade is my favorite indiana jones movie by far i think it's it, it's it's a perfect action adventure film it's so much fun and so entertaining i've seen it However, many dozen of times, and I just I, every time I put it on, I still love it. It's so hard to choose between Raiders and Last Crusade because they're both so great. But I, it's I, I can't, I can't choose. I mean, I love them both equally. You yes. must choose. I must. <laughs> Harrison Ford does most of his stunts, and according to stuntman Vic Armstrong, he had to pull Ford aside one day and ask him if he could let him do some work because Ford was doing so many of the action stunts himself. Armstrong later said if he wasn't such a great actor, he would have been a very good stuntman. Before settling on this father-son mission to retrieve the Holy Grail, Spielberg and George Lucas entertained the potential plot of Indy facing off against a ghost in Scotland while bound for the discovery of the Fountain of Youth. He dubbed this story Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. Harrison Ford is the one who nominated River Phoenix to play him as a teenager, having worked with him before on the Mosquito Coast. When describing how he prepared for playing the role, Phoenix explained that he didn't really base his portrayal on Indiana Jones, but instead on Harrison Ford, so he observed Ford out of character before acting his part. Steven Spielberg was actually attached to direct both the movie Big, starring Tom Hanks, and Rain Man, starring Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. But due to his commitment to Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, he had to drop out of both of those projects. Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, released on May 22, 2008, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by David Kep, George Lucas, and Jeff Nathanson. This film stars Harrison Ford, Kate Blanchett, Karen Allen, Shia LaBeouf, Ray Weinstone, and John Hurt. On a budget of $185 million, this movie had a worldwide gross of $790 million. In 1957, archaeologist and adventurer Dr. Henry Indiana Jones is called back into action and becomes entangled in a Soviet plot to uncover the secret behind the mysterious artifact known as the Crystal Skull. The way I look at this movie is that any Indiana Jones movie is awesome because it's Indiana yeah. Jones and mm-hmm. because the character is so amazing and I just love history and exploration, and it, even though this movie isn't as strong as the others, it's still an Indiana Jones movie, so that has that going for it. But ultimately, you have to admit that uh, a lot of mistakes were made with the making of this film. Um, they took a lot of questionable; cho- they made a lot of questionable choices in terms of the filmmaking, and uh, I think that the most heavy mistake they made in this fu- in this film, which is so against par for the other indie films, because the three indie films before it are so practical. They built all the sets. All the stunt works amazing. But uh, Crystal Skull is so reliant on CGI and questionable CGI half the time. It looks cheap. Yeah, and for me, that it just didn't feel right for Indiana Jones to see so much uh, fake CGI in all of these scenes. And that... Uh, and that really took me out of this film more than anything else. I completely agree. The CGI, there's way too much of it. And not, a lot of it just doesn't seem like it's up to snuff with the time of 2008. It just yeah. doesn't look good today when you watch this movie. Again, I like this movie. It's a it's a great movie. Obviously, we're going to nitpick it a little bit and talk about things that are bad. But um, the wardrobe and sets usually are impeccable. But the, even the wardrobe in this film, like everything's perfectly clean, which doesn't really fit with the other franchises too. Where like half the scenes, whenever, whenever they're in Cairo, everybody's sweating and dirty. Like their shirts are dirty. It makes sense to the characters and the in the scenes and everything. But yeah, also, like after he and Mutt crawl through that under that dirt tunnel, like they're still clean after the next. It's scene. like Star Wars, yeah. New Hope, kind of. After they get out of the the trash compactor and they come up, and their, <laughs> yeah. ha- their hair perfect again. It's like that doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. But um, also this movie is really bright. It's every scene is really well lit and. That's not the aesthetic that we're used to with Indiana Jones. Fortunately, they shot on film, so I'll give him that because he wanted to keep that aesthetic, which is actually very a great pro to the film. But it's just so bright to me; it just looks too Hollywood eyes for. Yeah, right, it is uh, I'm not sure why he opted to do it like this, but I think he, he I had think, a, he had a reason. I think they were trying to make this film as accessible as possible. Maybe yeah. so. For example, uh, after this film got a lot of criticism, Shia LaBeouf got a lot of heat for talking trash about the film um, post the release of it and um, he said he trashed the film and um, he actually got in an argument with Steven Spielberg where he where Steven Spielberg told him this line where he said sometime so there's a time where you can be an adult and have an opinion and make art and then there's a time where you need to sell cars So I think what Spielberg is saying is that sometimes you just need to you need to make a movie to make money. And that's it. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's it's, uh, movies are products. If, if you think about it, they're, it's a product that studios are trying to get people to buy. And sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it, it, a movie is made to make a lot of money. And that's it. And I think that's what this movie was. It's, it was a movie that was it was built to make money for the studio and for the filmmakers. And that actually, uh, Shia LaBeouf saying, uh, quoting Spielberg out of text to the public actually tore the relationship apart. Uh, and, and estranged Shia, La, Shia LaBeouf from Steven Spielberg because Spielberg is very was very much essential to Shia LaBeouf's rise in Hollywood because uh, Spielberg was uh, uh, the main producer of the Transformers films and he uh, helped uh, hire Shia LaBeouf for the first Transformers movie. So Shia LaBeouf owed him big time. So it was, it was, even though the movie didn't work out, you should not be talking bad things about the person who gave you a foot in the door in these movies. I get that. And for this movie, I think what you got to do is kind of shut your brain off for a little bit. You do have to do that to an extent in other films, obviously, that we love. But um, do I want to see people get eaten by fire ants? Sure. Do I want to watch people sword fighting on the back of Jeeps? I'm okay with it. <laughs> sure. But do I want to watch Shiloh LaBeouf swinging on ropes with monkeys? That's a little too much for me. But you know what? Traveling we- miles. Like, real fast, too. Yeah. But, I mean... If you think about, it, we've seen some ridiculous things in the franchise. We talked earlier about how the raft that falls out of the plane and lands on the snowy mountain, that falls off the mountain and lands perfectly in a river. That was in the Temple of Doom. So we we've seen some ridiculous stuff in the Indiana Jones franchise. I mean, we had the Wrath of God in the first one, come out and kill everybody and melt people's faces off. So there are some nuts things, but there's just some of the some of the far fetchedness of this film just takes me out of it from a viewing experience. Like it's really just the monkey swinging scene. And then when uh, Indy survives the nuclear blast inside the fridge, it's not the fact that he's inside the fridge and survives the blast. It's that the the fridge gets shot like 150 feet in the air and crash lands hard and he just strolls out like nothing happened. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. I will accept it if it's just he's in the fridge and survives. Yeah. So the point you're making is the suspension of disbelief was just too stretched too far for this movie where it got to the point where it was unbelievable even for a movie even for a big budget adventure sci-fi-ish movie like this and, and it took you out of the film which is not something you want to do and I think that uh since these movies are made for kids as well kids would never question that stuff they, a kid would see Shia swinging through a jungle uh, 100 miles per hour like it's no like unquestionable but uh, I think it for anyone over the age of like 15 it was like It just took you out of the movie and I think that they weren't expecting audiences to react that way. I also don't like the opening shots of the movie where they have the 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 kids, the teens and like the those fifties cars racing the muscle cars. It's like it it has nothing to do with the movie and the plot. And also, what are they doing in the middle of the desert with those cars? Yeah. They're gonna run out of gas. Yeah. Like they're in the middle of nowhere. Also this the is... suspensions. Yeah. But I do really like the opening warehouse scene where Andy's like doing his problem solving and trying to find the the crate that they're yeah. looking for. Like yeah. I like that scene a lot. Yeah, it's a great scene and I love seeing Ray Winstone in this movie. I think he's a a fantastic actor and he I uh, uh, he seemed to have like a, a long standing relationship with Indy since the last film, so uh, I thought they were a a great pair, but uh, he turns on Indy in this moment, and uh, I I think that uh, this movie has a lot of good moments. Um, It's great to see Marion back, Uh, um, and ultimately the story is a lot of fun. If you, like you said, shut your head off, and John Hurt's great in it, and and it is uh, pretty interesting, but I think that there are just uh, too many aspects that are just uh, not fun, and I think probably one of the biggest black stains on this movie is... Uh, Shia LaBeouf's character Mutt, not likable really. He's very uh, unlikable. He has no good qualities, and I don't think he's just a he's just not a good character. and And Shia is a very good actor. Um, Career is probably over. His though. career's over because he turned out he's a personally he's a a horrible guy and treats women horribly. um So he I don't think he should ever work again. And but for this role, I think it was just like. Uh, two two dimensional, where it was just like he, he was a caricature of someone from the '60s, like a greaser, and it, all of his dialogue and his his motivations were so unrealistic and unbelievable. And I just think I just didn't believe him as Indy's son. Like when it was revealed that he was Indy's son, I'm like, that's Indiana Jones's son. Like that was it was disappointing. You know? I think that Shia. Because he didn't... I think during the filmmaking process he probably didn't love what was going on and I think it shows in the character it seems like he wasn't trying his best because Shia is a talented guy and he just doesn't pull off I think what Mutt needs to be in this film to work so well. I'm not saying that he does a bad job but I think that comes across the the bad feelings he had about the film in general. But also, we are saved though by Kate Blanchett who's phenomenal in this movie. Um, she played, and everything. And she actually gets... A lot of controversy for her accent in this film. She actually she's not playing a Russian with a Russian accent. She's a Ukrainian character, so she does a Ukrainian accent. So, all you people who are bashing her for not doing the correct accent, it's actually Ukrainian. Uninformed people trying to judge. And she's a very worthy foe of Indy since Ball since Belloc probably the best enemy he's had. Yeah, Kate's amazing in everything she does, and it was great because they took, uh, they they made the villain a female, and I think that it was a great that's one of the great parts of this film to have a female villain in a, in a a position of power uh, commanding men and, and factions of an army. And uh, she's amazing in everything she does. I love her look with that, with that, that short hair and the, and the sunglasses she always wears. And uh, she, she's a phenomenal actor. And uh, I think that otherwise she is a great villain, but ultimately I think that it's kind of lacking in terms of the conflict of this movie where, I mean, it doesn't feel like much is at stake. Even though there it is, but it just doesn't feel like the stakes are are are, are consequential in this film. Even though it has the same basically beats as *Raiders of the Lost Ark*, it's like a race yeah. to discovery with instead of Nazis, it's Soviets. Mm. Um, but how do you feel about the aliens? Because I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was kind of upset that they went to aliens. But the more I watch it, the more times I watch it, the more I'm like, it's, I'm okay with it being aliens, and I, I don't really mind it that much because they wanted each movie, they try to step it up a lot. And I understood that Spielberg had the idea of using aliens at some point in the Indiana Jones franchise, because they originally wanted to make five, but then they decided to just do the trilogy. And then they just planned on making a fourth one at some point. And it was inevitable. I mean, it's Spielberg. The guy loves aliens. It's going to, it's going to happen. And I, I don't mind the aliens at all, honestly. And I just am, I was just confused as why are the aliens, how long have they been there and why are they stuck there? And, like, why did it have like? Because the skull was stolen. Skull right? was stolen. Yeah. Is that why? Yeah, I think they're they're de- described as extra dimensional archaeologists. Uh-huh. I believe so. Like they're they're learning and studying the different cultures of humanity. Got it. I, so I think one of the skulls was stolen. I've only seen it like four times. I know. I, I understand that. I understand that the skull was stolen and that's what trapped them there. But like, w- how was it stolen? And like were they all sitting on those chairs and well it's just one being right is it one being Because uh, yeah, they all come together at the end yeah, It's just I, one alien so the thing my my problem with it is not that it's aliens but that it was just like i mean it just didn't really make much sense the situation of it to me you know what i mean so that's that was my problem with it it was just like if it was like this is, like it's not being explained very well and also like the backstory wasn't really act like good good enough for me to really accept it the special effects aren't weren't even that great either i mean they probably could have made a practical alien look they really cool yeah cuz i mean the the effects in Raiders of the Lost Ark those still hold up even though it's the cgi like the lightning of the wrath of god that Looks still great. holds up yeah. still holds up um so i, I wish they would have tried to make practical effects more in the in the film and specifically with the alien yeah i i do too and I, I mean it is what it is i think that they obviously they had the best of intentions and but i ultimately think that like you know what they they view these movies as like they want everyone to enjoy it, including young people. And so, I, I don't think that this movies like this can it's j- justifiable to judge them too much because uh, these movies are made for uh, a seven year old to see it with their their parents. You know what I mean? Exactly. And everyone to enjoy it equally. And so, it's actually a hard thing to do to make a movie that such wide age ranges can enjoy. Uh, and so. Uh, ultimately like you can't judge this too harshly it's obviously it's the weakest of the four films but I mean it's still in Indiana Jones movie like I said and it's the most successful but I do like the ending too I love how Indy and Marion get married because because Marion deserved to come back she's such a great character and she she really needed I think for the franchise to, to be welcomed back and her and Indy get married, but I would have loved to see Sala there at the yeah. wedding. That would have been Oh, really yeah. Cool. That would have been awesome. That would have been cool to have him there. Maybe they offered it and he didn't want to be in it. Maybe he was just busy doing it. Maybe they stuff. didn't offer enough money or but something. But I'm glad that uh, Shia didn't catch the freaking hat or Indy took it back because, man. Uh, whenever, I know, right? You're like, oh my God, they're not going is to pass Shia, Shia on gonna this gonna be kid? the next Indiana Jones. Oh, like, man. Shit, it would have sucked. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I, like, there were rumors in the last couple of years that Chris, Pat, Chris Pratt would take over as the next Indiana Jones, and I think that it, it just wouldn't work with anyone else. I, I'm sure if they made it it would be cool but like I think it would be like Jurassic World where it's just it doesn't feel the same and not Chris Pratt specifically but I just don't think that anyone else should be Indiana Jones I think that Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones and no one should ever portray the character again they're gonna do it though I mean that's what we said about Han Solo and I mean how many Batmans have there been so they have 37 Spider Man, so it's gonna happen it's inevitable but, um, but that's it for Indiana Jones episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast thank you so much for tuning in Take care everyone. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Hit that subscribe button and notification bell. Listen to the audio formats of Raiders of the Lost Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Support us on patreon at patreon.com/raiders of the Lost Podcast.